Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. The book of Philemon. And it starts off like this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. As with other letters that Paul wrote, it wasn't only Paul, uh, some just say Paul, but uh, several others would say Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, and such. There'd be others that were riding along with him, and you would presume that they may interject some thoughts as the letter is being written. But not necessarily, but that is a presumption on my part. Well, this one says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It's the only letter that he really starts off like that. It's not the only time that Paul mentioned that he was a prisoner because he's writing this from prison. We have the prison epistles, certain letters that Paul wrote. He wrote from uh, from prison, like the book of Ephesians. But here he's writing from prison, but he calls himself a prisoner. And I think that's intentional because of the, the person that he's writing to and also the Uh, content or the topic that he's going to bring out. So watch this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice, not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. A prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archipu, and our, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So notice here, he's writing to a friend. He's writing to a fellow laborer. And he goes on to say, and to the church in your house. So he's writing to a pastor. Paul is writing to a pastor who pastors in Colossae. And this pastor, Philemon, apparently got saved under the ministry of Paul when he was three years in Ephesus. And then he went back to Colossae, and he has a church that's in his house, and he's a minister. He's a pastor over this church in his house. Now, notice he calls him a beloved friend. He calls him a fellow laborer. And he says, and I'm also writing to the beloved Aphia and Archipu. Now, Archipu. Uh, in the English Standard Version, says Archippus, which we would know from Paul's letter to Colossians when he says, And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And so Archippus was also a minister of the gospel as well. But notice this is primarily written to Philemon, who is a pastor of a church in his house, but he's also a friend, and Paul calls him a fellow laborer. Now, all this is important that Paul lays this groundwork explaining his heart, his love for, his respect for, his appreciation for Philemon as a friend and as a fellow laborer. So he goes on to say, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which again, as I like to point out, I don't think is just a formality, but I believe in the New Testament days when they would say these things, they really believed they could release the grace of God and the peace of God with someone, sort of like when Jesus in Matthew 10 sent out his disciples and he said, whatever home you enter in, if, if it's worthy, let your peace 
rest upon it. But if you find out it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. And he speaks of it as if your peace is tangible, if you can release it and actually withdraw it. And so he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Just as Jesus would say, be healed, and people were healed. And Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven you, and people's sins would be forgiven. Our words are powerful, and especially if they're words of faith in alignment with the Holy Spirit. So, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and now he's going to get into it. I thank my God, making mention of you, talking to Philemon, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he's starting off and he's giving Philemon some encouragement. He's saying, I've heard about you. I've heard about, now. not that Paul didn't know him, but he's just saying, I've heard about how things are going in your life, how your ministry is progressing, how you live toward people, how you exhibit good works and love toward the saints, sharing your faith and such. Verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So Paul is giving him encouragement, giving him kudos, if we could say it like that. He's giving him proper honor for the ministry and the gospel that he is ministering to many other people. And he calls him brother here. He called him friend. He called him uh, partner or, let's see, he called him friend. He called him uh, co-laborer, fellow laborer. And now he's calling him a brother. Verse 8, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So now Paul comes out with what he's after. Paul said, I have something to talk to you about, Philemon. I, and I actually, based on my position with you, uh, who is it? Well, under my ministry, you found the Lord Jesus Christ under my preaching. You know who I am. You know my service to the Lord. You know my position in Christ. You know my apostolic call and such. And he said, I could be very bold just to command you what to do. He said, however, for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. So Paul saying, I could command, but I'm not going to do that. I want to appeal to you. So Paul is letting him know, I have the petition. Uh, I have the position to take the, the high road of authority. He said, but I'm lowering myself down and I'm asking you, brother, would you come into agreement with me on something? And he hasn't yet revealed what that is. I appeal to you being such a one as Paul the aged. Paul the aged. So he's getting toward the end of his life here. The apostle Paul is. And he said, I'm also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus whom I have begotten while in my chains. So he's saying, here's what I'm really asking for. I'm asking for you to do something that I'm requesting in uh, with regards to Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. In other words, while I've been in prison, I came into contact with Onesimus and I led him to Christ. 
So Onesimus has come into the faith through the Apostle Paul. Why is this important to Philemon? Well, let's find out. Verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Oh, so Philemon knows who Onesimus is. So this is not just some random guy that Paul is introducing to Philemon by letter. Philemon knows who this is. So he says, in fact, Onesimus was once unprofitable to you, Philemon, but now, now that he's born again, he is profitable to you. Verse 12, I am sending him back to you. Oh, so that means that Onesimus actually came from Philemon. I'm sending him back to you. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be uh, by, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Uh, Let me read a little farther. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave. Oh, my goodness. Now we see it. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So now we get the full picture. And that is that Paul is writing to his fellow soldier, his fellow uh, servant in Christ, a friend, a brother who's back in the city of Colossae, who got saved under Paul's ministry. But now uh, this man Philemon, likely a wealthy person who has a church in his home, he had a slave called Onesimus. And this slave fled and broke away from his master as an unbeliever, but he ended up where Paul was in prison, somehow got into connection with Paul through who who knows who, and guess what? He got born again, and he began to talk about his life and where he had come from, and of course, Paul says, well, I know Philemon. Yeah, he's actually a, a minister, a pastor, an elder of a church, and uh, yes, I know who that is, and so as they collaborated, Paul's came to the conclusion that he needs to write to Philemon that Philemon would not be angry with Onesimus, would actually receive him back, but that he would not uh, bring retribution on him and punish him as a runaway slave or even kill him, but that he would actually acknowledge that, hey, since he broke away from you, he's become a brother in the Lord. And so receive him back not merely as an unprofitable, rebellious slave who um, deserted you, but receive him back as one who's been born again, gloriously changed by the power of the gospel. So you can see here what Paul is doing. Paul is appealing for him. Now, what's interesting is Paul is not saying to Onesimus, hey, why don't you just stay with me? Hey, you know, Philemon is probably not going to forgive you. Just stay with me. No, Paul even though Philemon's status in the kingdom of God has changed. Well, just because your status in the kingdom changed, just because you get born again, that doesn't promote you in your company, so to speak. That doesn't uh, make you as uh, the wife. Now you're the you're the head of the home and you're the husband. No, it doesn't change any of our statuses. If you were a, a slave, for example, not that we believe in slavery, but in these days, those things did happen. 
if you were a slave when you were born again, guess what? You're still a born again slave. If you were a master when you were born again, you're still a, a born again master. If you were a lender when you were born again, now you're a born again lender. If you were a borrower and in deep debt, guess what? You're born again, but you're still in debt. So notice the gospel does change us on the inside, but the gospel and the born again experience does not mean that we can rebel against all of our responsibilities and our status in this world. It's just that with God, you have a better status. And oh, let me tell you, that's the eternal one. That's going to make the difference. And so Paul is acknowledging in this letter about Onesimus that Onesimus has done wrong. He needs to return back to his master. He needs to repent. He needs to go back and fulfill his commitment because he is a, he's a bondservant. He's a slave to Philemon. And so uh, Paul is sending him back. But he's sending him back with this letter, and he's lovingly appealing to Philemon that he would recognize, hey, look, slave or no slave, this man's born again, so he's a brother. Paul is not telling him, you cannot allow him to serve you anymore. You have to raise him up to your level. That's not what Paul's saying. See, so we have to understand that. However, Paul is saying, but you should see him so differently than you did before, and you should forgive him. In fact, let's go on to see what else Paul is going to say to Philemon. Verse 17, if you then count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Wow, that's a big statement. Philemon, if you count me, the apostle Paul, through whom you found the Lord Jesus and gained eternal life, if you count me as a partner, Receive Onesimus, your runaway slave, as you would receive me. Boy, that's that's a powerful request, but that's what the Apostle Paul is asking. Verse 18, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. <laughs> put that on my account. If he has wronged you, if he owes you anything, well, I'm asking you not to charge him for that. But to put that on my account, charge me for that, Philemon, charge the Apostle Paul. Goes on to say in verse 19, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. Paul saying, I'm not dictating this. I'm writing this with my own hand. This is coming directly from me. I will repay. Watch this. He said, I'll repay. Don't ask him to repay. I'm appealing to you. Let me repay. Now watch this. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. <laughs> Paul said, I'll pay you. Put it on my tab. I'll pay you. He said, not to mention that you owe me your own self. Why? Well, because you got born again. You would have gone to hell for eternity had it not been for the preaching that God brought through my ministry. So Paul's letting him know, I'll, I'll pay it. And almost to say, if you want me to, but just remember that how much you owe me for me sacrificing to come to you. And by the way, Paul did not have these cushy first class plane ticket, you know, five star hotel journeys. Paul went through so much adversity. These were sacrificial journeys to get people the gospel, including Philemon. 
So he said, you owe me even your own self besides. Verse 20, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. How? By doing what I'm requesting of you. Verse 21, having confidence in your own obedience. So now Paul is saying, I have confidence in your obedience. I have confidence in you that you're going to be obedient to what I'm asking you to do. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. (laughs) Paul is leading him to say, and don't just do the bare minimum. I have confidence in you that you'll do even more than what I'm asking you to do. Verse 22, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Now, uh, did this happen? Well, I don't know that this ever happened. Uh, but Paul wouldn't be lying about this. But notice, Paul is throwing in here that he's praying that he would have a time where he's released from prison before his death and be able to come back to the city of Colossae and visit Philemon. Well, what does that do? That tells Philemon, oh man, this is not just a letter and a runaway slave that's come back, but Paul is wanting to come back as well. And What if he comes back and he's going to find me not having followed through correctly with his request? And let me tell you, let me tell you why this is really interesting and a parallel. Because Jesus wrote this book to us. And folks, he's coming back. He is coming back. Not like the Apostle Paul, that it's an iffy situation. Without question, Jesus is coming back. And and he even said in one of his parables, he said, when the Son of Man returns, Will he find the people of God doing what they're supposed to do? Will he find that? Oh, may he find us doing the will of God. May he not find us saying, oh, his coming is delayed and we don't really have to get on top of it now. We can always, you know, wing it at the end. No, the Apostle Paul saying, I'm praying to be granted to you to come. Well, you know, that would say something to Philemon, like, oh, man, we... We have to do this. I have to do this because the last thing I'm going to do is to let the Apostle Paul show up and I haven't followed through with what he asked and didn't treat this runaway slave with the kind of grace that Paul asked. Verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, who, by the way, wrote uh, not only the Gospel of Luke, but the book of Acts. My fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I enjoy reading this because it gives us a little picture into Paul and his more personal. This is a more personal letter than his other letters uh, that he wrote in the New Testament. Very personal. But I tell you one thing that really strikes me, and that is that Paul regards the born-again experience and the status that we have in Christ Jesus as far more important than our status in this world. And so Paul is now appealing to this likely a wealthy master on behalf of a runaway slave who got born again and wanting him to be restored but received not just as a slave, but as a brother. But he doesn't require to say, don't let him serve as a slave anymore. Let him serve as a partner in your business. No, Paul doesn't say that. Paul allows for the status to remain the same, but that the perspective, the view 
of Onesimus would be a loving one now because you're a brother in the Lord all the more. I want to treat you right. We should always treat uh, people that work for us well, but all the more when they're brethren. And so Paul, I love that he is recognizing the status in Christ Jesus as a, a more important status than in this world, and yet still not compromising what's right and wrong right here in this present world. I just think that this one book tells that story, and if I could say this, it balances those two concepts so well, and it also shows how the Apostle Paul, the aged, is appealing to Philemon instead of demanding or commanding. He's appealing to him, but he does it in what I believe is a very persuasive way very persuasive, not deceptive, straightforward, but persuasive to to put the whole situation in context and to let Philemon know, guess what? You were a pretty poor slave to God before you got born again as well. And God received you with grace and has now allowed you to be his bond servant and doesn't hold any of the past wrong against uh, you. So Philemon, would you do the same? Would you not hold any of Onesimus passed wrong against him and allow him to have a fresh start and even treat him better than before because now he's a brother. I just think there's a tremendous parallel there to God and how he sheds his grace on us and forgives us from the whole past. Lord, I pray for everyone watching today that they would feel this same love, this same grace from you, that they would know that as they confess sin, as they repent, as they return to you, uh, whenever they do that, repeatedly, if necessary. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness and treating each one of us like Paul is appealing to Philemon to treat Onesimus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.